for me in Romans chapter number eight tonight. Brother Dan was quick. He said, there is no book of Hezekiah. <laughs> He's trying to help me out. There's a book of Romans, chapter number eight. It's a good book. As you're turning, last time we preached, we were also in Romans chapter number eight, and we spoke on the, uh, the first part of the verse, and we talked about how Paul started in the book of Romans, and he started answering questions that really weren't being asked by the believers there in Rome, but he was, you know, dealing with different subjects and different things, and uh, we looked at, you know, what is going on in the background. Surely as a Roman believer, they had to ask, you know, we believe in Jesus, we believe in Christ, we believe... You know, the God that spoke this world into existence is in control, but they had to live there in Rome and wonder what was going on with their corrupt government and the corrupt world power and all the things that they had to deal with. And last, last time we preached, we talked about that, and we talked about how Paul informed those believers in Rome, and we looked at verse 828 as a key verse, and we, we came to the, 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 the founding statement that God is and always has been and always will be in control. Um, and we all say amen to that, and that is a big faith statement uh, to believe that God is in control of the big picture. Uh, but it gets a little harder to hold such faith when things get a little bit more personal. So we're going to deal with Romans chapter 8 and verse number 31 as, as Paul kind of dials in a little bit to a more personal level. When you found it, please stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. The Bible says, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tonight I want to preach on this thought, saved and secure, saved and secure. Father, God, I need you tonight. Father, I don't want to go through the motions tonight. Father, I don't want to fulfill an obligation or an invitation tonight. God, I pray and I ask you to fill me and use me tonight. God, use your word to speak to this thy people. God, it is nothing that I can do, it is nothing that anyone can do, but to focus in on the Holy Word of God and allow your Spirit to speak to this thy people. God, we all have a relationship with you that we deal with you each and every day, but God, help this time for just a few moments, your Word to shine into our hearts and help us to be reminded of things that we need to be reminded about. Help us to be convicted of things we need to be convicted about. And God, help us to be comforted in things we need to be comforted about. Let us let the Word do its job tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. 
So for just a moment, I want to look at these couple of verses, and these are, again, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but Paul starts now to reinforce God's sovereignty, not just on the macro level, but on the micro scale and on the personal level. Paul starts to reinforce God's sovereignty and God's control there on that personal level. And again, I want to put us all in the shoes of these Roman uh, believers or believers there in Rome. At any moment, let's be reminded that they could have lost their lives for their faith. In the Roman times when they were in control, Caesar was viewed as God and what he said went. And to say that you were going to follow Christ could have very well meant a death sentence for these believers. It could certainly have meant maybe a harder life or a harder uh, a harder time there and a harder time to maybe put food on their tables, a harder time. And a lot of times when, you know, we in, in, in the United States, we are so spoiled and we get so used to and we get so comforted by living in the great country that we do, where going to church is just freely accessible and worshiping God is freely accessible. A lot of times we take for granted how hard other believers right now have it in 2024. And what I want to stress on today is what these Roman believers were going through. And so put your shoes in there and put yourself in their shoes and think about how at any moment they were risking their lives to assemble together. Now we know they didn't have a big beautiful building like we have here and they didn't have the things going on that we, you know, that we enjoy here. They didn't have comfortable pews to sit in. They didn't have heat. That makes a lot of people happy. They didn't make air conditioning. That makes a lot of people happy. They didn't have, you know, those different things, but they would have been meeting in homes or meeting in secret areas to try to uh, make sure that they weren't found or they weren't seen. Um, and today is, as it's always been, life is harder for the Christian. Life is harder for the Christian, and especially in youth ministry, you get into a world where a lot of times teenagers start coming to a youth group, and they think that if they become a Christian and they start following Jesus, that life will become easier for them, and their circumstances will get better. But many times, that's not the case, and um, <clears throat> we know that the Bible's clear on this subject. Those who live godly shall suffer persecution. So tonight, by introduction, I just want to look at a couple things about the Christian life. It's a sacrificial life. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 and 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The Christian life is a life of sacrifice. Jesus was clear on that from day one. He never promised that that cross that we would be carrying would be light. He never promised that the life that we would be called to live with him would be something of splendor and something of uh, abundance and something of greatness and something of wonder. And, and what we have to remember is that the life we're called here to live on earth is a sacrificial life. We're not meant to have everything this world has to offer. We're waiting on another world. We're waiting on another home. We're waiting on another heaven. But while we're down here, it is a life of sacrifice. Let everyone deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I, I like that principle of denying yourself things in the Christian life. When was the last time you wanted something, but you denied yourself for the sake of Christ? You wanted that next promotion. You wanted that next car. You wanted that next status or that next position, but you denied yourself and the sacrifice of having a better testimony, being a better father, being a better wife, being a better fill-in-the-blank here, sacrificing for the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's a sacrificial life that the Christian live. It's a serving life. Jesus said, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all 
and servant of all. That's in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. A lot of times we think in the Christian life, the greatest Christians are the ones on the platforms. The greatest Christians are the ones that have all the attention, that have all the spotlight. Brother and sister, when we get to heaven at the front of the line, receiving the most crowns, the most jewelry, will be the Christians that we never heard of here on earth. The Christians that we never even knew that they were a Christian. That we may not have saw them on the news. We may never have saw them, you know, in a crusade. We may not have saw them in a tent revival, but there was a Christian who faithfully, sacrificially served God their entire life and did things that nobody saw, did things that nobody knew about. It, the Christian life is a serving life. A lot of times people, and especially the young people, they get involved and they say, I want to be a Christian because then I get to come to all these fancy meals where everybody just brings all this food and we get to eat fried chicken and we get to eat hot dogs and we get to have all the gold. Have you heard about the goldfish at Anchor of Hope? There is more goldfish in this building. I, I can't believe it. They, they come and they say there's so much abundance here. There's so much things that, that people give us and people do for us and people share with us and people fellowship with us. But the Christian life is supposed to be that of servitude. Those blessings that God allows us to have, this building, these facilities, these ministries are all blessings. But each and every one of us have to know that as a Christian, we are called not to be first, but to be last. Not to be proud, but to be humble. Not to be so sanctified that we don't serve. I heard a preacher say it like this. If you're too sanctified for the broom, you're too sanctified for the pulpit. And a lot of times we get it backwards and we think that we have to grow in stature and we have to grow in uh, prowess and, and, and influence when in reality we should be growing in the area of service, of service. It's a serving life. It's a strong life. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. You have to be strong to be a Christian. Being a Christian ain't for sissies. Okay? Being a Christian is not for sissies. Walking into a place of business or walking into a place of, of culture and being able to stand and say, hey, I'm not going there. I'm not identifying with that. I'm not participating in that behavior. That takes strength. As our pastor uh, shares his testimony from time to time, he says as a young person, he was a coward and a compromiser. It is easy to sin. It is easy to do those things that are profitable of the world. It is easy to go that route. It takes no courage to do the things young people do before marriage. It, it, it takes no courage to have a new girlfriend every week. It takes no courage to have a new boyfriend every week. It takes no courage to have a new job every week. It takes no courage to do the things that the world profits you, but it takes boldness. It takes courage. It takes strength to take a stand for God and say, I'm not doing it the world's way. I'm doing it God's way. But back to our text tonight, Paul's talking to these Christians and he's reminding them, and we're going to get to how, in such a hard way, if the Christian life is so sacrificial, it's so serving, and you have to be so strong, and this is where my and I've got to in my life, and I know my wife, and I know people I know, strong Christians, we get to the point where we go, it's so hard, it's so serving, it's so strong, you have to be so strong, how can I take another step? How can I live another day? Again, let's look back in our text, they're here in Rome, they're under persecution, they're under bondage, how could it be possible that they can live this life? And that's where Paul begins to speak and expound and remind us that though we have a sacrificial life tonight, in verse 31, we have a sacrificial God tonight. Look in verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He sacrificed his son for us, Paul reminds us. He sacrificed his son for us, Paul reminds us. Our pastor was on it this morning. How am I going to pay those bills? How am I going to do take care of this? I'm, if I'm going to live for, for Christ and I'm going to sacrifice the promotion or I'm going to sacrifice a big fancy job or I'm going to sacrifice power and political influence in the community, if I'm going to keep a Christian testimony, how am I going to make it? How am I going to survive? If he was willing to give you his son, he's willing to give you whatever you ask for. Amen. He already gave his son. It's a sacrificial God. God gave us his son what do we give for him? What do we give for him? I love our church. I love our church. And I know it was meant in good spirit and good fun, but you don't know how many times I've heard, how long are you preaching tonight? It's Super Bowl Sunday. He gave us his son. What do we give for him? Number one thing we rob God on is our time. Because we think it belongs to us. The Bible's clear, life is but a vapor, it appears for a moment and it vanisheth away. But we think our time's ours. What have you sacrificed for him? God has promised to meet in each and every one of our needs. Only God can do that. Our God is the only God who gives. I want you to think about it for a second. I was asked a question in high school. What, well, what separates your religion from all the other religions? If, you know, if Jesus is, is, a, is a religion and Muhammad's a religion and, and Buddhism's a religion, and, and when you, as I, I like to say, when you shuck it right down to the cob, there are many religions all over the world that, that say God requires something of you to gain eternal life. God requires martyrdom. God requires good deeds. God requires this. God requires that. Christianity, you mark it down. Young people, go study it out. Christianity, Jesus Christ, this Bible is the only way, the only path that says you could not give God anything God gave to you. What did he give? He gave his only son. So living a sacrificial life is easy when you realize you have a sacrificial God. He's not asking you to do anything he hasn't already done. A serving life comes also with a serving God. Look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Look at this. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Remember what Jesus told Peter? He said, Peter, Satan's desire to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. You realize Jesus rose again so that he could make intercession for us so that when we don't know what to pray, as we look back in Romans chapter 8, or yeah, in Romans chapter 8 from last week, remember those verses where even when we don't know what to pray, he's there? Even when we don't know what to say, he's there? Even when we don't know what, what we need, he's there? He's a serving 
God. He, he not serving in a way that he subjects himself to us, but even actively right here, right now, as a young Christian, as somebody who walks and talks and lives his daily life, there's a God in heaven that loves me so much that he didn't just die for me, but he got up from the grave so that day after day he could intercede on my behalf. He could watch over me. He could lead me. He could guide me. He could direct me. He not only intercedes for us, but he ministers to us daily. What if God saved us and never helped us again? We'd still have more than we deserve. But if he never helped us again, a lot of us did what I thought when I first thought, thought that thought was, oh, that'd be hard. Because I can look back and see all the times God's been there when no one else was there. I can see all the times that God did something that I can't explain any other way. But he's there. Jesus said, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. I am so thankful for the comforter. And sometimes when our faith gets shaken and we get scared and we're trying to live that serving life and we're trying to serve others and we're trying to serve our church and we're trying to serve our family and we're trying to serve our husbands or serve our wives, sometimes things you say, how am I supposed to keep doing this? How am I supposed to keep giving? Remember that you have a serving God. You have a God that's ever daily making intercession for you. You have a comforter that he's gave you to indwell you, to take each and every step of your day with you and alongside you and <clears throat> remember that you have a serving God here just a couple of weeks ago in my life Addie, little Addie got sick mama takes her to the doctor that's what a good mama does her daughter gets sick she takes her to the doctor she says I'm sorry ma'am your insurance is expired on your little girl we can't see her today what We've had insurance on Adelie her whole life. We, we, this must be some sort of mistake. This must be some sort of mix-up. So she takes her back home and she gets on the phone with the insurance company and they said, yeah, your, your, your paperwork and things and insurance speak and insurance speak and things happen and your daughter's not insured right now. You're going to have to reapply and you're going to have to get insurance on your daughter. Now, mamas, okay, baby girl's sick, doctor saying they won't see her, okay. Some of you, mm-hmm, okay, I heard it, okay. Oh, they're going to see her, all right? So you got Mama Bear coming out, and Mama Bear calls Papa Bear and says, this is what's happened, and you know, us men, we're fixers. We like to, well, how did that happen? All right? Again, I always tell you all, my couch is comfortable. Here we are, God, serving, serving, serving. Here we are, God, do, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm just using this as an example. I know there are many servants out here, but sometimes things happen, and you say, here I am trying to serve. Here I am trying to do, and somebody sitting in an office somewhere didn't do their job and didn't do what they were supposed to do, and now my baby girl can't get medical treatment because somebody else and somebody else, and it was like God going, Thum, I got this. Submit the application. Do what you're supposed to do. I wonder how many times we get on Facebook and rant and rave about how terrible our medical care is rather than just saying, God, will you fix this? How many times do we call four people and rant and rave about how terrible our doctors are instead of just saying, God, will you, will you fix this? He's a serving God. 
We filled out the application. It's been six years since we, or eight years now since Addie was born, since we filled out one of these applications. Finances are different now. Things are different now. All the questions that come into your mind, what if we don't get approved? What if we have to pay more than we pay now? What if we can't afford it? What, what is going to happen? All these things, the devil starts to whisper in your ear, and you start thinking, why is this happening to me? Oh, poor little old me. Oh, poor little old me. How am I going to get through this? And God handled it. Within 24 hours, the state medical thing went through and everything was reinstated. And how many of you know that doing anything with the state or with the federal government happens in 24 hours? Mm -mm. God got it. He handled it. We called back the next morning. Bing, looks like you're, you're, everything's been reinstated, backdated to the first. Wow, we've never seen it happen like that before. Bring your daughter on in here. God's a serving God. Lastly, we have to live a strong life, but it's a good thing we have a strong God. Our sin put Jesus on the cross, but it wasn't the nails or even our sin that held him there. It was our love, it was his love, rather, for you and for me. I believe there's a song that it was his love that held him there. Let's just do something tonight. And I, 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 I promised myself I wanted to be, be short tonight, not because of the Super Bowl or the business meeting, because I saw an opportunity to see if I really could preach a short message. <laughs> Love you, Brother Larry. So I'd like to close this message out, and let's do something that I don't, I don't know if ever been done here, but let's try something. Look, everybody, let your eyes find verse 35. And whatever is going on in your life right now <clears throat> that has you fearing or that has you questioning or that has you wondering, are you secure? That's what Paul's talking about here, the security of the believer. Are you secure with what's going on in Washington? Are you secure with what's going on maybe with your health care or your health? Are you secure with what's going on at work or what's going on at home? Are you secure? Are, are, you, are you in a place where you can live your Christian life and have security and have peace? Whatever that is that's going through in your mind right now, I want you to bring that to the forefront of your mind. And let's close the message out like this. Everybody stand. And in verse 35... I want you to read this all together with me, but as we read it, I want you to read it for you. Don't read it so the person that the next to you can hear it. Don't read it so that I can hear you reading it. Read it for you. Read this scripture over the situation that's going on in your life right now. Let it be a reminder to you as it was to me, as it was to these believers in Rome. Verse 35, read along with me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a mighty, sacrificial, serving, strong, loving God we serve. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you didn't just call us to live a life and then leave us here all alone. You didn't just call us to be holy and then leave us here all alone. 
God, you didn't just call us to witness and be witnesses all over the world and leave us here all along, but God, you sacrifice for us, you serve for us, and God, you are strong when we are not. God, I pray tonight that if there's somebody here that needed that reminder tonight as I did, God, that your spirit remind them that you're on, you're on the throne. You're not just sovereign over the big things, but you're sovereign even over the little things. You're not just there for the valleys of the great and mighty folks that this world looks up to, but you're there for the little widow lady. You're there for the little preacher in Rossville, Georgia. You're there for the little person that doesn't think anybody knows what they're going through. God, you're there for them. And I ask these things and I pray these things in Jesus' name.